Facebook Live here so that the Facebookers can tune in too. There we go. All right, our gospel reading for Easter Sunday is Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. The verse um, I wish to unpack for us this morning. It's so good to see your faces <laughs> again. No longer just preaching at a blank screen. Um, the verse is Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, which is, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the idea I wish to suggest to you this morning is that we Christians live our life in this tiny time window captured in Matthew chapter 28, verse 8, between the announcement of the resurrection and encountering Jesus face to face for ourselves. So that's kind of the big idea I want to um, unpack a little bit, that the two Marys um, have heard the heavenly messenger proclaim the truth. He is not here for he has risen. And they're given a command Go quickly and tell his disciples. So they receive the announcement and they book it out of the garden and en route to the disciples to deliver the news. That's when, wham, they run into the risen Jesus himself. Um, but think about that brief moment just before they encounter Jesus while they're running with fear and joy. I think that's a picture of Christian life, living in between the proclamation and the experiencing of that reality for ourselves. We, I don't think any of you heard the gospel from an angel, um, although I don't know for sure. <laughs> um, but our, our messenger was not an angel, but Holy Church, telling us definitively and with authority the same message that the angel proclaimed, Christ is risen. The tomb that they buried Jesus in was miraculously opened, and inside, we know famously, his body had disappeared. And it's really important to still sort of think through where did his body go? And we know um, that it was the same women who had placed his body in that tomb um, two nights, three days before, who had seen the huge stone rolled in front of it, the same tomb that had guards set upon it, as recorded in Matthew's gospel. It was the same women who laid the precious body of Jesus on the cold stone slab. They were the first to get to see inside the tomb after it was unsealed. 
and the corpse of the crucified Jesus had vanished. Come see the place where they lay, is what the angel said. So they were the first eyewitness testimony, both of them, or Luke actually records one other woman in the group, woman in the group Salome. So at least three of them, eyewitnesses, upon the opening of the tomb, that it was empty. Which means this eyewitness testimony makes the resurrection of Jesus an objective public fact. It's not something we just sort of privately hold because we want it to be true. It was verified by eyewitnesses. But still the question remains, uh, where did his body go? Well, when we, know, we confess in the creed each day, right, that Christ descended to the dead. So he descended to the dead, but then he ascended from out of the realm of the dead, his, his soul, and the, his soul was brought back from Hades into his body, and it sent a shockwave, Matthew records an earthquake, and his body was um, revivified like Lazarus, but not just revivified, but transformed into a supernatural um, sort of body. Deeper down, even than his DNA, uh, his body is changed. And his body now takes on qualities that up until the resurrection, we would only associate with spirits, right? Invisible to the normal human eye. Except, of course, when he desired to be seen, when he showed himself in his resurrection appearances. His body was one that could never die again. That's the truth of 1 Corinthians 15. It was a body that no longer suffered decay, it, 1 Corinthians 15 uses the language that it was a spiritual body, which sounds kind of like an oxymoron, right? Spiritual and body, but that's what it was. Philippians calls it a glorious body, a body that would be witnessed by the two Marys as they ran away from the tomb, uh, and then uh, soon after by the apostles in the upper room and the road to Emmaus, all of those appearances that happened on Easter Day. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6 says, actually, Jesus appeared to over 500 people. Again, corroborating that this is a public, real fact, not just uh, an, a religious opinion. Chief among the witnesses are the Marys at the tomb, the 12 apostles, and James and Paul. And really, the resurrection is the message of the church, right? Everything that we believe, that why we believe what Jesus said is true, why we believe anything about Christianity is because of the resurrection. It's the cornerstone of all of our faith. That's why we make such a huge deal of it uh, as in the church year, why Easter is really the highlight, the, the cornerstone of the liturgical year, because on this, everything else is grounded. I know, as I see your faces here, I know each of you, um, also I wonder who has the uh, Zoom name doofuses. I wonder, I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> but <laughs> apart from doofuses, um, I know... <laughs> no, I see the Elliots, they're separate, so I don't know. But I know that each of you have already heard this message and believed it, but through the wonders of Facebook and who knows who else is listening to this sermon, um, I just want to say that if there is anyone listening um, who maybe has heard this message before of the resurrection but not believed it, uh, I just want to say, believe it. Just believe it. <laughs> not as wishful thinking, but because it is a public fact. It wasn't done in a corner. Believing the fact of the resurrection is the cornerstone on which all Christian faith is built. The great message of Easter. And we um, show forth um, to God and to ourselves and to each other that we have believed the message when we act on it, just like the Marys did at the tomb, right? The angels give the message and then they immediately obey the command and, and book it out of there. If they didn't believe the message, they wouldn't have run to go give the message to the disciples, right? Their movement of their feet reveals that they believe the message. And I think there's actually an additional layer of spiritual symbolism 
that they're running away from a tomb, right? They're running away from, from the tomb, which is a symbol, I think, for us um, who are to run away from the tomb, right? A tomb is a picture of death and darkness. And Hebrews chapter 6 says, um, leave aside dead works. Ephesians 5 says, depart from the works of darkness. Run away from the tomb. Paul lists the deeds of darkness under three categories, sexual immorality, impurity, and covetousness, which covers basically everything that we fall prey to, right? Run from the tomb like the Marys, flee sin and death. And then having heard the message and run from the tomb, it says the Marys are filled with fear and joy, which are the two sort of equal and opposite characteristics that should mark the Christian life, right? It's both. We, have, we are to have fear of God and his power and his judgments, but joy at his great mercy towards us in Christ Jesus. You know, when the Christian life has too much of just one or the other, that's when things get out of balance, right? If we don't trust enough in his mercy and we have only fear, we haven't gripped the gospel. But if we have um, only sort of happiness without any fear of God to temper it, and we haven't gripped the power of God. So fear and joy, just like the Marys. The Marys were running from something, the tomb, and they were running to something to go deliver the news. Here we see a sort of specific um, call to each of us that, like them, we are to share the good news of Jesus as we are able. But I think generally also it's a picture of obedience. They were given a simple command, go and tell this, and they went and told it. A picture for all of our obedience. Um, maybe chief of all in this Eastertide for the command to love one another. Right? That's the new command that Jesus gave on the night he died, before he died. So I, what I, that's the Christian life. I think all those things in a nutshell, those moments that the Marys had between hearing the messenger and encountering the Messiah. We, um, we don't, of course, get to see Jesus with our eyes right now. We don't get to hear him with our ears saying, greetings. I just love picturing just running into Jesus and him saying, hello. <laughs> we don't get to hear, see, to hug his glorious nail-scarred feet like the Marys did. But the promise of the gospel is that we will. Right? We don't see him with our eyes now, but we will see him with our eyes when we die. The moment we die, we will see him and he will either say to us, every human being, he will either say, depart from me or come and enter the paradise that I have prepared for you. So we will get to see him like the Marys did. One way or another. And the final thought I want to um, leave you with this morning is that in his tender mercy, the Lord sometimes permits us to see him, and I'm using quotes there because I want to explain it, to see him even before we die. Um, very, very rarely in church history, but it has happened um, in a vision. Um, but most of the time, he also, he, when he does show himself from time to time, he presents himself to our spirit. Now, I think to the unbeliever, this sounds like just fanciful imagination, like, sure, he presented himself to your spirit. But in the experience of it, Christians testify that it's as real as what the eyes can see, that as sure as I'm seeing you through the screen right now, Jesus has, has drawn near and, and my spirit encountered him. I once heard a, a preacher describe it like the, the, the drawing near of Jesus to the spirit. It's like, um, it's analogous to imagine a blind man having an experience of the sun breaking through the clouds and shining its warmth on him, right? He wouldn't be able to describe, like he didn't see it, but he knew that something had, had happened to him, something had passed over him. And I think that's the experience that Christians can have of, really, that's our version of seeing the Lord in this life while we wait for the next.
um, the places that we go, that the God himself has pointed us to in which we could experience his presence are in prayer and in reading the scriptures and in receiving Holy Communion. Now, of course, we believe by faith that Jesus often imparts himself to us, even if we don't perceive it, right? Especially in Holy Communion, we believe that Jesus gives us his nearer presence and his grace, even if we feel nothing. And faith believes that. Faith believes in what is unseen. He, but it, and he flies often below the radar of our perception. But sometimes, sometimes, he shows himself to our spirit, kind of dips above the radar and we get a sense. And I hope that some of you have had a sense of either reading the word or in receiving communion like that. That's not just some warm fuzzy, right? That's actually Jesus himself presenting himself to your spirit, just like he showed up to the Marys on the road. My prayer actually, as I've been praying for each of you, is that this Easter communion that we're about to receive from the Rizzo sacrament, that the Lord, that you would experience, not just by faith, but even by sense, uh, by the sense of your spirit, that Jesus has drawn near to you this Easter with the comfort of his presence. But what I want to point out, though, is that we, the, most of the Christian life is lived between the message and the encounter. Um, that encountering Jesus, having that spiritual experience, is the end goal of the Christian life. Um, it's not the beginning. It's the thing we long for. This is, I think, why unbelievers have it backwards. Often unbelief says, well, I'll, I'm going to wait till I have a spiritual encounter and then I'll believe. But Christians a million times over testify, no, you believe and wait patiently and then sometimes have a spiritual encounter. But I also want to emphasize the sometimes, right? Sometimes I think the Christian life is misadvertised as if it's going to be this perpetual awareness of the presence of Christ, which ultimately it will be. That's called sainthood, right? But on the way there, it's more sometimes from time to time. We believe the message and we wait for the spiritual encounter and we wait as long as it takes, knowing that we'll see him ultimately when we die and step into his nearer presence. A death that isn't frightening because we believe in the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection cracks the gate on all the resurrection from the dead. And when we see him, whether it's sort of in our spirits in this life or face to face when we die, I encourage you to sort of Take this picture of the Marys falling over, right, and hugging his feet, the precious feet of Jesus that bore the nail, the body that died for us, as an act of worship. That as we receive this communion uh, from the Reserve Sacrament in just a moment here, um, to picture uh, receiving the communion and hugging Jesus' risen feet. And I pray he blesses you in the midst of it. Amen. Okay, I'm now going to stop Facebook Live because they don't have the reserve sacrament.